can get this uh, whenever they read my bio, which is on the website, uh, when they see that I was in their shoes, that I went through this, that if there's a story about, oh, so-and-so is suing me because they think I stole money, like, oh, that happened to me too. Um, and so I think that empathy, that kind of, um, you know, I guess emotional understanding of what they're going through, um, I think is really kind of our secret sauce, if you will. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we catch up with Byron the Wolf Botris, who turned a good idea into a good business by saving his customers thousands of dollars and hours of frustration by probating wills online without an attorney. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber. And Dave Bradbury. Recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. I felt like howling in the intro. I mean, we could definitely get we that could, in there. We could dub that put a, in. Put a dub, yeah, dub we'll it. dub that in. Oh. Hey, welcome, Byron. Thanks for making time from your, your busy day to Absolutely. join us. My pleasure. Byron, what is probate and who should be worried about it? All right, so probate is the legal process of transferring assets after somebody's passed away to the lawful heirs. So essentially, if you own anything and are currently alive, you will have to deal with this. Um, so essentially, upon your death, uh, those who are left behind, your family, heirs, uh, those that you put in your will if you have one, uh, that process of transferring your assets is what probate is. And so essentially, you can not do anything about it, uh, let your family suffer through the process, uh, which is lengthy, it's expensive, um, I would say it's very time-consuming. And then if you're proactive about it, you can avoid probate by having assets transfer automatically upon your death. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Yeah, that's the part that I think I didn't understand when you were first telling me about probate is that everyone goes through it. Just because you have a will doesn't mean that you don't go through probate. Yeah, I would say that's probably the number one misconception that we have or that you know customers, people have, um, is if they, if they think they have a will, well, if there is a will, they think that that will makes it that they don't have to go to court. They don't have to do the process. I remember very vividly, probably one of our craziest customers um, was, she was yelling at us because she's like, I don't have to go to probate. I have a will. The will says such and such. And so um, what I usually tell customers is, imagine for a second that I show up to your bank with a will and I say, give me all the money. Would you want them to not question anything? So I think when you put in the terms of, Someone's showing up to their bank account, uh, their bank, and then they next time they look, there's nothing there because somebody came with a quote-unquote will. Um, I think they understand the process. So probate actually is Latin to prove. So you have to prove the will is valid, and if there is no will, you have to prove who the next of kin are who would inherit. Um, before we break in and take grandma's money, illegally. Uh, what was the idea for easy probate? How, did you stumble into this or was this something, an area you had been researching? What was the genesis for, yeah, the, so my for, for the company? Professional background um, is I'm a certified financial planner. So 2001, I started working for Morgan Stanley. Um, and 2002, 2003, I became a certified financial planner. So essentially, I help rich people mostly to avoid probate by, you know, establishing a financial plan, which very often included an estate plan. Estate planning is just fancy words for avoiding probate. 
And I think when you're doing the legwork and or are involved in the financial world um, or even a consultant or a lawyer or whatever, um, until you go through it yourself, you have no idea what this is, how it impacts people, the process, all that stuff. You might know it intellectually because I did. I knew it intellectually. I knew it, you know, inside and out from like the planning how to avoid it. But when I became an executor in 2012 is the first time that I like personally had to interact with what was the system, if you will. Um, and so, no, this is your intro is, uh, what is it? Accidental entrepreneur. I would say that I am an accidental entrepreneur from the, like the idea phase. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, but this was the proverbial apple falling on my head. And, and so when I became the executor for both financial reasons and I think, I, I think I've said this enough that I'm comfortable saying now, if I could commit like harm to somebody and get away with it, I would harm the attorney that drew up the documents that I then had to execute. And um, there was just really wholesale incompetence on the attorney's end. And that caused a lot of family problems and specifically like I had to like deal with that and so having gone through it myself without an attorney because uh, a I didn't want to use the attorney and b just the family dynamics didn't have the surplus funds to pay the thousands tens of thousands of dollars the attorney wanted um, I did it without the attorney and it's a skill that you would never you know need again you know I've been not I've not been named an executor since um, and I, you know, probably won't be. I know for a fact my, this is actually another common mistake people do. My father and mother, uh, in their will, they've named their, my dad's brother, my uncle, the executor. So odds are, um, A, I won't be the executor, or B, um, by the time their will and stuff and trust happens, the person they nominated to be the person in charge will be dead themselves. We see that overwhelmingly the case. Um, so it's a skill that nobody really kind of gets to practice because yeah. you've only really, you, you, you'll go through it once if ever. Well, I think it, one thing that's really clear about your business is the empathy piece of it. You know, you've been through this in a really hard way and you know what it feels like to go through that. And like, you know, all of your customers are going through some sort of emotional time. So for you to be able to provide them that clarity and that um, simplicity through that difficult time is, is really what I think makes Easy Probate so special. Oh, for sure. I know that whenever I talk to people or I even get this, uh, whenever they read my bio, which is on the website, uh, when they see that I was in their shoes that I went through this, that if there's a story about, oh, so-and-so is suing me because they think I stole money, like, oh, that happened to me too. Um, and so I think that empathy, that kind of, um, you know, I guess emotional understanding of what they're going through, um, I think is really kind of our secret sauce, if you yeah, will. because you're not like a software guy who said, oh, I can just build software to solve this process problem, right? It really was from an end user perspective. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, my background is not as a technical, like, internet, you know, coder, although I, I mean, know enough to be dangerous. Uh, I was forced to learn some code uh, from a uh, semi-failed, well, mostly uh, failed Sorry experience. if I diminished your resume <laughs> no. at this point. Uh, but bad. no, really, it's not don't my so, forte Don't sue me. Uh, and now I know enough to understand it, but no, that's not my forte. And ultimately, we, I mean, if you think of our end product, our end product are, is a PDF of a government form. 
So like the end product itself is not overly challenging. Um, but I think how we guide people through it is really what we are doing. So what's a, what's a typical customer experience look like in the context of describing your business? Because I, I think we haven't done that quite yeah, yet. Yeah, so I guess the way that I best describe what we do is we are TurboTax for probate. So if somebody wants to do this on their own, probate an estate, probate a will, probate an estate, synonymous, uh, without an attorney – we are going to provide them all the forms and step-by-step instructions so that they can do this on their own. So they answer our questionnaire. It takes about 20 minutes or so. And then immediately for, well, for most of the states that we handle probate in, it's automated. And so immediately the sample of the petition is there for them to see it. And then once they pay for the service, um, the full packet and instructions are there for them to follow. So right now we made it so that um, there is no barrier for customers to contact us, uh, which is somewhat of a problem. Also, we've decided to do that for now to learn really kind of the what are the pitfalls that people are from a user experience are following. But really, we designed this so that you don't need to contact us. Um, roughly 60% of our customers never talk to us. Um, I would say 5% of our customers occupy 90% of our time. Um, And then there's like, you know, a little bit of... As with every business. But, you know, I'm sure that number is probably going to go down a little bit, hopefully. And I think, um, you know, that's one of the questions that I have for you. And I see this all the time with the entrepreneurs we work with is, how do you go from a a good idea to a good business. So how did you, when you had this idea, you're like, I can do this. This isn't that complicated. It solves a problem. How did you prove out that concept before you started to spend money on building out a software? So I mentioned like a prior business, prior failure first. So I would say, number one, I failed first in something else. So uh, I did a talk a while ago and I actually put that in my had like a foolproof plan on how to become an entrepreneur. And number one is like fail at something because then you um, learn what not to do, which is a, it's an interesting topic because, you know, I am college educated. I'm a financial planner. So you would think of all people would know like how to plan financially, which I do. However, I think what we forget is like the emotional drivers that we have. And so in my prior business, I was very desperate to get out of the financial world or for a lot of reasons, and I try to grow too fast. And so I grew top-line revenue. Very That's ironically very sometimes easy to do, is you know get sales, grow. What's hard to do, I think, is make money, <laughs> make a business that lasts. And so with that kind of background, that failed experience, I knew what not to do. So the first thing I did was I threw up a really simple website. So I did know enough to throw up a website um, without any help from anybody else. I mean, obviously, now that's easy because there's Squarespace and Wix, but 2012, 13, 14, when I was kind of baking this, those sites were either not available or just not very, I, at least I didn't know about them. And so I threw up a website, and all it did was it looked nice, it looked pretty, it had information to track customers, and then I did hire uh, a coder to do a questionnaire for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's why for $2,000 is what I started easy probate for. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's what I, I think I love about it so much is that it's not a complicated software, right? It's complicated user experience. 
So yeah. can you talk a little bit about, you know, you said 60 or so percent are going through without ever talking to you. That was not the case when you first kind of started. How have you worked and sort of tweaked that? And, you know, obviously you'll continue to tweak that um, yeah. down the road. But can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I think I knew what I wanted. I wanted TurboTax in the sense of what I wanted this system to do uh, ultimately. And at the time, it was just me in the basement um, working a full-time job, being still the executor, by the way. Uh, I was still the trustee and the executor of the estate that, that more all this started. Um, so I had to do this on the side at every level. And so every time that I did a case or did a process, I always had this ultimate thought of how could I automate this? What would it take to automate this? What would it look like when ultimately a TurboTax-style system you know, I created? And so that really was the ultimate driver. Um, I knew that the actual forms were not overly complicated from me as a business to produce accurately and correctly, but from the user, you know, they don't know what intestate is. They don't know what, you know, a lot of the terms are, or frankly, even if the asset requires probate. So that's really where that user experience kind of hierarchy started to form, and we would just obviously ask. The nice thing about what I did is every customer from customer one to probably customer like 100. The first 100 customers I either emailed or talked to like directly, you know, myself. And so I had a really good idea of what the other end was like. Yeah, and that's that's super important, I think. Um, you know, a lot of times you want to automate things quicker, but getting that feedback from that first 100 customers, I'm sure, was indispensable. Oh, for sure. And a lot of us who share a co-working space with you here at VSET feel like we've talked to 30 or 40 <laughs> of those customers ourselves, so. <laughs> which well, is a great benefit. I'm going to prepare better. <laughs> I'm not shy and I'm loud, so I know I have been uh, probably entertaining to some, Annoying to most, maybe. Um, never, I've never. Gotten, I've gotten shushed a few times, but all good. We, we all have. Mostly just rounds of applause after yeah. s- certain conversations. After ping pong. Hey, um, talk about your team today, right? So you get out of the basement, you're above ground in daylight working. What's your team look like today, and, and how did you find folks? Sure. Um, so I got out of the basement because I applied to um, you know, a competition, Launch VT, which you guys specifically are part of. Um, and so I raised capital specifically to automate what I thought I needed uh, at the time. And that was really what I raised. Uh, my thought at the time was I will be cash flow positive right away, um, and then I will then earn my way into more stuff. I was kind of mostly wrong and somewhat right in that. Um, and so I needed to raise a little bit more capital to then hire you know people because um, as of, I would say, we were... Revenue positive beginning like November of last year uh, from an accrual basis. I'll talk about it in a second. Cash flow positive beginning like December of last year. And so um, with that, I set out to hire like customer support people. Um, So I've outsourced all the tech for now. Um, I did hire a um, Berlin Code Academy grad who incidentally beat me in the launch VT competition. Um, so it was kind of interesting to have that be a full kind of circle. Um, and so when she came on board, she's my first uh, tech person that's, you know, on staff. 
Um, but really, we're looking and mostly will need is you know support for customers to you know go through the process. And I think the number one thing we're looking for is just nice people who are empathetic who can learn. Um, ideally, they have some background in finance because most of the questions we get are about the asset themselves, not necessarily the process. The process is, believe it or not, from our perspective, the easier part um, for the customer to kind of grasp it really what ultimately needs to go through probate is sometimes more. I just got an email before I got here right now. A person was asking about like intellectual property, i.e. copyrights, books, songs. The person who died um, you know, wrote songs and either is the singer or the person who wrote the song and they're wondering how to, you know, how that will transfer. You mentioned LaunchVT, um, and I think LaunchVT now kind of uses you as a poster child because a lot of people, like, don't apply because, you know, they're afraid they're not going to win. If they don't win, then what's the point? And um, you got so much out of LaunchVT without winning. You got investors, all kinds of connection, things like that. Um, but I think, you know, I will personally will never forget your pitch, um, and, you know, that goes back to, to your nickname, The Wolf. Um, and you're an incredible storyteller. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, pitching for entrepreneurs who are just starting out and sort of telling your story and um, what you've learned there? Yeah. Um, well, at the time, I don't know if I'm good at storytelling, but that's pretty much all I had. You know, when I went to launch VT, I really didn't have much. I think, um, what was that, 2018, May or so, I probably had like 48 to 60 paid customers by the, when I officially was pitching Launch VT. So that sounds like a lot at the time for me, but really in the big scheme, that was a not. And then really the product was like half baked, right? It was not automated. It was, I had to prove a lot of stuff, I had a lot of assumptions, semi uh, pointable to some facts, but really I had nothing. But also, my background as a certified financial planner. Um, I don't know if you guys have a retirement plan, but I would have been the person that would have come year in, year out to talk about your 401k. So I had to like make sure that I kept people's attention. I think I'm funny. I'm definitely gregarious, but I would make it a fun experience to go to my retirement plan meeting. And so I think that uh, experience and really matching my personality really helped. So storytelling was very big. I listened religiously to a, a, a podcast um, called The Pitch. It's all about investors or entrepreneurs pitching investors. And so I really had a, I thought, a really deep understanding of what questions would be asked, what I needed to show. Um, and then frankly, like my experience, the thing that we're doing really lends itself to a story. So I guess if I had key takeaways um, for anybody to, to kind of emulate uh, or even like learn from me is I was very honest with what I didn't know. Um, I didn't know certain things and I had a good plan, I guess, or an idea of what it would take to kind of tease that out. Um, I had one key assumption that nobody believed me which I'm happy to say is proving to be the, the biggest thing I'm able to now point to is that we would have like a, a high, well, I guess a high ratio of uh, employee to revenue. Uh, now we're still early in it, but I still think that we'll have roughly like a million to five million revenue per sales person, mostly because, you know, the automation and, you know, kind of the, our process. Um, uh, and then the other thing that I thought I did well was I didn't wait. I, was, I wasn't going to wait for the judges, anybody to contact me. I was like, I knew who they were. I had 
probably the day after, the night of, anybody who talked to me during the pitch, I contacted them and said, I'm raising money, let's have a meeting. Um, and that obviously is a little bit of my sales background. Right, you know how to network like a rock star. And you brought a bottle of bourbon, too, to the contest? I did. So that, I'm not saying that helped, but it didn't hurt. hurt. didn't yeah. hurt, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about um, easy estate planning? Is that a new product? Yeah, your, that you, so the easy estate plan. Come um, into? So that was always in my kind of idea deck, the, the model. So if you think about, obviously, you know, you, you who are alive, don't need me uh, to probate your estate because you're upright. Um, but for you to think about what to do in case you die um, and how to avoid probate, you know, their current model is twofold. There are actually very good competitors in this field if you know what you're doing. Um, so I am actually a member and I pay for Rocket Lawyer. Um, so as a certified financial planner, like I can crank out you know, these documents, like nothing. Um, but uh, actually, Sam and I did an experience. If you're just off the street not knowing some of these terms or just the repetitiveness of their questions, it's overwhelming. And so I wanted to fix both the kind of do-it-yourself and also provide a reasonable alternative to going to the attorney. Um, and so our estate plan, same concept, you answer easy questionnaire, which actually, Sam, I had to thank you. You were quite instrumental in kind of teasing out the types of things we needed to ask in the types of way that made sense and kind of um, simplified it. Because uh, my original idea was, well, I'm a planner. I'll just tell you what you need. You go then do the document at Rocket Lawyer or whatever. But that really <laughs> failed miserably. I'm quite good at identifying what I don't know. <laughs> so, But doesn't this new product somehow limit the core probate product? Like, like, are you, is this a funnel exercise to grow more customers or so it's, it's value twofold. per It's twofold. Household? So, like, you know, I, I always preface this, like, we're about to talk about death. I don't mean to imply that I'm callous to this, but... Um, and stop smiling at me like that. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of creepy. Um, um, <laughs> so there's going to be roughly 3.5 million deaths this year. Of those deaths, roughly about 1.5 million uh, will require probate compared to, I forget what the number is, but like there are, it's like probably 78 million baby boomers um, alive right now that obviously, you know, at some point will enter that kind of last stage of life and they would need to avoid probate. So I could through an estate plan. Through an estate plan. Okay, so it's or a bigger funnel, a bigger catch them funnel. early. Yep. But more importantly, what we, what always I knew was we get a, you actually said this to me once, you were joking, but um, you're saying, you kind of mentioned that my defense as a business is the business model is so terrible, nobody else is going to want to do it, um, i.e. we get a customer once. I'm um, such an ass. No, but actually, yeah, but really, that has always been what I've said, someone asked me, like, what will prevent somebody else do this? I was like, I don't think anybody's dumb enough um, to try this. Um, because, again, we will get a customer once for probate. Um, so, but however, we interact, for every probate case we get, we're interacting with about 12, 10 family units. So typically, you know, grandma dies, she has three or four 
children who are now all over the age of 60, who they have children of their own, who now those children have... So children. They, have, they have a favorable experience and they'll, they'll pass it on to their cells yeah. or neighbors. So the thought experiment is this. Um, I don't know if you've ever taken a Dale Carnegie course. Uh, shout out to um, the local one here in Vermont. And, um, and so if you think about the types of things that you do in life, there are urgent things you do, right, and non-urgent, and then there are important and non-important things. And so the urgency of something is what oftentimes drives our behavior, whether it's important or not. Um, now, the few times that we do non-urgent important things is when we change our life. And so in the probate process, it's one of the few times that when somebody that is alive, if they are going through probate or they see a relative being in charge of a probate case, they will fundamentally understand how important and urgent this is to, to tackle. Uh, otherwise, I make the joke that if you are selling an estate plan to Joe Public, it's the equivalent of having a marketing business to get somebody to get a, to have their prostate examined. Everybody knows they need to do it. Nobody wants to do it. Um, nobody. And so it's going to be a very high hurdle, high um, barrier to, to get somebody to take that action, i.e. do the estate plan, because, you know, you, you literally won't benefit from it. If I do an estate plan and I die, I'm dead. I won't see a benefit of that right. you know, process. So, so for us, because we have a captive audience, i.e. somebody went through probate, i.e. the executor or the administrator, and now we're interacting with the family, um, especially before they get the inheritance, we are now selling them an estate plan. So as they receive the inheritance, they can avoid probate if something well, What's sort of your price structure, right? I mean, you got the free self-advised stuff, which is sort of a cluster and confusing. And then you've got the, you know, tens of thousands of dollars if you want to go traditional attorney. Where, where do you fall out? Sure. So uh, on the estate planning side, it's pretty simple. Uh, we're going to charge $300 if you're single, $500 if you're a couple, however that is defined. Um, estate planning is easier from the output perspective because, you know, it, the, there is no court involved. Um, it's just basically getting people to sign documents, and that's almost it. And then they have to change the asset structure, i.e. who owns it. Um, so that actually part is pretty easy. The probate side is proving to be complicated in so many ways. A, my own assumption. Um, I forget what the term is, but oftentimes entrepreneurs solve a problem for them. Um, and I did that. So I solved this problem of how I wanted it, in which was, well, you know, I don't want the attorney. I'm okay going to court by myself. I know what to do. I'll, I just want instructions. So that's what we did, and that's the only thing we had offered for a long time. And so for the our basic product is $600 flat fee to do probate case. But what we found is two things. Number one... Um, it was actually, for some, it was too cheap to be credible. So imagine for a second that I'm going to sell you a Tesla. And I say, I got a Tesla for you. I got a good deal. Um, I'm going to sell you a Tesla for $500. Like, what would you think? No, thank you. Right? Something's wrong. Like, what kind of scam am I get into? And so the relative expense of an attorney, now, it's not often 30000 but in some states, they are allowed to charge that much, and they do. And so a typical attorney might be five to $7,000 for a simple estate and then more 
for complicated estates. And complicated, honestly, just simply means more value of an estate. The form is the same. But anyways, and so if the attorney is charging fifteen to $20,000, that's what you expect. And then you come to a, a website that's charging $500, we get kind of like, I almost didn't use you because I thought this was a scam. Um, and so what we decided to do is is offer more services at a higher price because we're finding a lot of people just simply are um, either not capable. I don't know if that's the right word because I have a lot of uh, empathy for people, uh, our customers, because somebody died. So they're emotionally distraught often. They're overwhelmed. They have a job. They have children or something. And so this isn't the only thing that they're doing. And so the, they can be overwhelmed with what they need to do. So we're offering a concierge service. Well, we'll take on more of the role and do more of the things. And now we're offering a corporate fiduciary product where you can name us the co-executor, the co-administrator of the estate. Mm. And then we will basically do all of the legal stuff, uh, appear in court for you, um, because you have standing. Because right? we have standing. Because right? you, you don't you don't offer legal advice. No, that's actually we do not. We're not a law firm. You probably heard me say this all the time. We're not a law firm. We don't offer legal advice. But the question of what is legal advice is very murky, um, and uh, sadly enough, the only people that determine what is legal and not legal advice are lawyers. And so for us, there's a big precedent set by Rocket Lawyer Legal Zoom where they've already won these court cases of what is, what isn't legal advice and these kind of mass-produced legal offerings. And as long as we don't um, interpret or change the questionnaire and we act like a mail merge, i.e. we just put whatever the customer enters in the right place on a form, we're not creating the form right. ourselves. You're focused on the process and yeah. demystifying. Then that's not legal advice. But then, of course, you know, somebody asks, is this a valid will? So our kind of, I don't know if it's existential question, is um, if I can Google something, right, if I say, what is a valid will in Vermont? And lawyers, the Bar Association, the state of Vermont have websites stating what a valid will is, and I can plainly read it, and then I tell a customer, oh, a valid will in Vermont is one that is witnessed by two people and signed by somebody who is competent. Um, is that providing legal advice? I would say no, but obviously, it's a factual representation yeah. of something. And so okay. I think the internet has democratized this. Um, this is almost like um, you know the Catholic Church circa 1400, where they would only say their stuff in Latin um, in the hopes that nobody actually read you know the document. Uh, I think there's a lot of kind of analogies. But to you do work works. with attorneys too for for families. Yeah, if, so we if, are if building a product. I can tell you, working with attorneys is challenging. Um, there, that field has no. I'm going to call it evolutionary pressure. Um, so there's nothing nipping at an attorney's heel to do better. You know, if you're not happy with an attorney, guess what? You got to get another attorney who operates the same way by the hour, by the paper. Um, there's no like automation or any kind of uh, kind of pressure for them to do better. So we're offering a, a kind of a SaaS product. We're calling it Virtual Paralegal, where we can we've mastered the automation of probate, preparing the forms, onboarding a customer. We can now sell that to the attorney um, and automate their practice for probate. Because one of the things about an attorney is they cannot double their business without doubling their expenses. If you and I were a law firm and we wanted to grow, we need 
another lawyer. More people, yeah. Yeah, and so that's just. Um, so I want to make expensive. sure we understand this, right? You've got the direct to consumer products, the easy estate, the easy probate. You've got concierge services that people can opt into, and you uh, also will have this virtual paralegal that's sort of a white label service to help other legal offices. Absolutely. That, okay. Yeah, because the fundamental problem with probate specifically, I feel like I can uh, very clearly define what the issue with the market right now is. If you call an attorney right now to make an appointment, it'll take you maybe three to four weeks to actually get on their schedule. Uh, by the time you get to their uh, appointment, you're going to talk about probate in the initial meeting. They will likely charge you for that meeting. Some will offer that for free, but then you'll go home with a paper packet that you fill out. It'll take you two to three weeks to fill out that packet. You're going to mail it back to the attorney. It'll sit on their desk. You call the attorney three weeks later saying, hey, how come nothing's happened? The attorney now yells at the assistant, how come you haven't done this? And then three months have gone by and nothing has happened. Now you have paid the funeral costs. You've paid the mortgage, you've paid the bills, and now you have families saying, where's the inheritance? So with our system, whether you're the consumer or the attorney, we can condense all of that into immediate, i.e. you answer the questionnaire, immediately the forms are ready, immediately the instructions are ready, so you can move forward. If you're the attorney, now that very first meeting with the customer, it's no longer talking about probate. Um, they've they've answered the questionnaire, and now it's sign here, 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 and my retainer is. And so uh, we're fixing what I call the time money dilemma of probate because you know, it just is time-consuming and it's costly. It's exciting. Big changes. Definitely. Um, so real quick, I know it's a cliche question, but I can't help myself. Big mistakes you've made. Anything jump out at you over the past couple of years that hit hard? Yeah. So I was starting to get into, like, I built a system that solved it for me. Um, I would say, uh, and many people would agree, thankfully, few people are like me. Um, and so I solved the problem for a few people. <laughs> um, and, and what I'm saying by that is it took me a long time to realize that people want more help. You know, cost is not the only issue, which is what I kept thinking. Um, people want uh, not to do any of the work, and that's kind of perfectly fine. And so what the aha moment there is we have a realtor who has used us for his customers uh, now 12 times. Of those 12 times, nine of them are in the last like three months. So I happened to talk with him. I was like, what's going on? And so he said, all he's doing is he's offering to go to court with the customer. And as soon as he offers that, that just like melted everybody's fear, even though he doesn't do anything there. He just sits with them. So he's paying our fees 600 and reselling us for like 15, 2000. Um, and he's just simply walking to court with the customer. And that reminds me of something that I ignored forever. A, I had a customer who asked for a refund. And I said, sure. I asked him why. He's like, I can't sleep at night thinking I have to go to court. And it had never occurred to me that people were so anxious and or concerned about this process. And so that's when we started to think about, well, how can we recreate this walking somebody to court and make it scalable and efficient for us? And, and that's when we decided to do a concierge service and a, a corporate fiduciary offering. 
And actually, it's less work for us because now we're the ones doing all the things that the customers you kept messing up. You don't need to rely on. on them to yeah. fill out the form and get the timeline met. Oh, interesting. Okay, quickly, have you had any uh, local mentors that stand out? Well, yeah, I would say not in probate because like <laughs> that's so hard to get somebody to help around you. the business. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. No, I would say probably the number one person I go to here is Ethan uh, of OMD. Um, even though he's a bit younger than me, but he's older in the kind of startup phase. He's like a year or two ahead of me, and so I would say he's a definite go-to. I've also been fortunate to get uh, some high-profile investors. You know, that are local. Um, I don't, well, I guess for I don't have the permission to say, but they they have clearly been a big factor in my success. And when I ask them questions, how did you do this? What are you know? And that has been very very helpful as well. And um, has Visa helped you? Have we been helpful? Visa has been phenomenally helpful. First of all, both of you are always available. I think when I think about my arc, um, when I probably had my third to seventh customer. So this is like early, early. I was like, I proved this. And so first person I, I talked to was a local VC and I was sure I was going to come away with money. Um, you know, and I didn't. But the second person I called was VSET and then you guys met with me. You guys met with me probably four times before I even like... Right, early days. Early days. And it was kind of like, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? What should I do here? Why should I do that? Um, and so just in the initial phase and then just kind of like that support and or bouncing off ideas um, has been really invaluable. Awesome. Yeah, you've been a great, a great contributor to our community as well. So yeah. I should also say like, um, and not that I set out to do this, but so far I have hired a graphics designer through VSAT. Um, I'm doing some ad work with people from VSAT. Um, there's more. What else? I'm missing one. Copy editor? Oh, yeah. I have a copywriter, also yeah, a VSET. You're coder, you're right. You've, you've gotten a few other things, right? Absolutely. So I've taken full advantage of what VSET has to offer. You don't have to go far, right? You don't have to go far, yeah. Well, we have a lot of fun with you here, Byron. The best happy hour partner I've yeah, ever had, first Friday. For sure. Number one. Number one. Um, all right. Well, I guess it's time. It's time. Byron, magic wand time. If you could change one thing in Vermont today... What would it be? Well, I've thought long and hard on this because I know I've heard all your episodes. First of all, I would change this question. Uh, it's not just one. So this is one of those weird things where if you change anything, you ruin what it is that you love about it, right? However, I'm going to answer this multiple ways. First, realistic. Um, we need an east-west road. There's no way to go east to west. Forget Vermont, like in the greater northeast like to Portland, Maine, we talk Portland, okay, Adirondack, gotcha. you name it. I granted, there's some geology we have to like either dig through, go under, tunnel, so figure under it out, figure it out. Yeah. I'm on board for that. So one, I think that one, I think is doable. I granted, there'll be taxes and whatnot. Okay, so that's one realistic one. Um, as much as Vermont has its unique quirks, I do think uh, it could be improved by having a more different types of people. Now, I'm Hispanic. Uh, it would be great to have a higher population of you know, diverse folks for lots of reasons, especially the food. Um, my wife made Amen. fun of me because I thought the best burrito, best, um, my, I judge a Mexican restaurant by its chimichanga. Mm. Uh, St. Albans, circa 2000, 
had the best chimichanga. It was called the Irish Borough was the restaurant. Uh, it has since closed, but right now I have yet to find a, a to my caliber, you know, Latin food. Yeah, huge. I almost moved away because of it, honestly. Okay, so East West Road, it's because you're a nice climber. Well, and then, then my exactly because yeah. it takes too long for you to get to the Somewhere. ice falls. And then actually, like this past couple of years, I would fix winter. Winter has not happened in too much length of time. We need longer winters, colder, and then way more snow. Uh, that would be my fix. Oof. I don't know about that one. I was with you on the other two. <laughs> Byron, thank you so much. Thanks, Byron. My pleasure. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, write a review, share it, or just enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to work. 